0: Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.
1: Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA.
0: Thank you for joining us. Hope you had a good weekend. We have a new week, a new month. And uh, maybe getting closer to a new infrastructure bill. We're going to get a lot on that today. We'll be joined by Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. He'll talk about that, plus uh, livestock markets, biofuels, and much, much more, as we'll have a Washington update with Senator Grassley. Also, the latest on the weather. John Baranek with DTN will join us. What's the weather look like for this month of August? Hopefully better for some folks, maybe A lot of other folks hoping for just more of the same as we finish things out we have these extremes to talk about in the weather and we're just a few days away from another big sturgis bike rally robert white with the renewable fuels association will join us to talk about uh, plans to promote ethanol once again in sturgis at the rally That'll be coming up a little bit later on in the program. So thanks for joining us and letting us be part of your day. And we welcome in, to start things off, Spencer Chase with AgriPulse Communications. Spencer, good to talk with you. And uh, inch by inch, little by little, the, the infrastructure package moves forward. Uh, kind of give us the latest where we are in the Senate on this.
2: You know, dare I say it, Mike, it might actually be infrastructure week here in Washington. It's kind of been a, mm. a bit of a running joke, uh, really, for years, even dating back into the Trump administration, but uh, I, I think we're starting to see a bit of a, a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel in the Senate, at least. Uh, we, we did see for the last couple of weeks this bipartisan group of negotiators were working to finalize the legislative text they had. Announced an agreement on on some of the major broad provisions, but uh, it's kind of a, a separate thing to actually get the legislative text finalized. They were able to get that pushed out last night, uh, so we have in front of us now a twenty seven hundred page infrastructure bill that contains everything from you know the conventional uh, roads and bridges to things like railroads and waterways. There's some real broadband language in there, and so. There's a, a lot of things. Basically, if you know someone that works in politics in Washington, D.C., they're probably combing through this infrastructure bill right now, trying to make sense of all 2,700 pages and what's in, what's out, and all of the various uh, things that are going to be key, not, not only to agriculture, but, of course, infrastructure is so critical to almost every uh, sector of the economy here in the U.S.
0: You mentioned broadband. That section of the bill could be where we'll see some amendments
2: right and that's something that we're expecting just because there is some uh, you know there's a little bit of consternation as, as my colleague Phil Grasher reported uh, yesterday and into this morning you know there's a provision in there about the percentage of a uh, set you know the percentage of a, of a piece of property that needs to be uh, designated as unserved in a given region before they are eligible for federal funding Uh, you know, they're looking to tweak that percentage. A number of folks that represent rural areas not really excited about that prospect just because it would make those grant dollars more competitive with, you know, perhaps some more uh, suburban areas that might be, might have a little bit better existing service as opposed to rural areas that just don't have service at all. And so that's, uh, you know, we're expecting amendments to be offered here this week. That's something that you know, the, the GOP and Democratic leaders of the Senate are going to need to work out, and that's really going to determine, you know, if and when the Senate gets to final passage on this. Uh, something that, uh, you know, another publication noted this morning was that there's a funeral on Friday for former Senator Mike Enzi. A number of, you know, Senate co- of his former Senate colleagues are going to want to get on a plane and go to Wyoming for that funeral, and so that's going to, you know, sort of serve as a line of demarcation. Either they're going to you know, pass the bill before or after that uh, that Friday ceremony.
0: So if it does get through the Senate this week, there's still questions about what happens to it in the House, right? Yeah, that's something that,
2: uh, you know, stay tuned, I suppose. Uh, we've seen so far a number of progressives kind of in, in the House especially kind of concern with some of the provisions that are in there, some of the pay-fors that are used as well as you know they're going to want to see this infrastructure bill uh you know move in concert with a 3.5 trillion dollar reconciliation plan that is currently being worked out by some senate democrats and so house speaker nancy pelosi has gone as far to say that uh, you know the infrastructure bill is not going to be considered until the reconciliation package passes the senate and so they're they're looking in in on capitol hill democrats are to kind of move these two ideas in concert because yeah, as, as a lot of uh, your listeners will know, the Democrats are operating under just incredibly slim majorities in both chambers. And so they're going to need to have pretty much everyone on board if they're going to move either or, or both of these
0: bills. So still got a ways to go. All right. Meanwhile, EPA is going to start gathering information on waters of the U.S. What do we know about these meetings that are going to be held?
2: So, yeah, they, you know, Administrator Regan has been pretty clear throughout the course of the, of the process that he's going to want to be soliciting feedback. We did get a little bit of a, of a clearer picture in terms of how those public input processes are going to work in, the, in a release that the agency put out last week. And, of course, you know, the devil is going to be in the details in terms of how all these things work. But, you know, throughout the month of August, there's going to be a number of public meetings that the agency is going to be uh, planning to have. They did brief agricultural stakeholders on this uh, plan on Friday, and so now we kind of await the specifics on how and when you know, these these meetings are going to work. You know, will there be one specifically geared toward agriculture or will it be worked in with the other various, uh, you know, well, the stakeholders, folks like, uh, you know, military concerns, uh, home builders, small businesses, a number of things like that. And so, still a little bit yet to be determined, but there, I mean, I thought it was interesting that it was an EPA and Army Corps of Engineers press release and included a statement from the Ag Secretary. You know the Biden administration making it pretty clear that they they want to solicit feedback from agriculture on this.
0: These will be virtual meetings, right? Virtual meetings, as far as we
2: know, yes. Uh, you know, can't uh, I, I? I would be pretty surprised if they convene anything in person at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. So we'll watch for that. Meanwhile, there's still a lot of focus on the meatpacking industry and these the small facilities, and what what is. Congress saying about USDA's plans here.
2: Yeah, so we did see a letter last week from a number of uh, House lawmakers, specifically House lawmakers that serve on the agricultural Authorization and Appropriations Committees. You know, USDA has this five hundred million dollar fund that they're looking to invest in the meatpacking sector, and really the the focus that these uh, House lawmakers encouraged was that small regional processing. You know, a big concern that folks have is you know a bunch of money gets pumped into, you know, expanding some of these smaller facilities that will then get bought up by the big four packers. Well, that really doesn't do a whole lot to diversity ownership and to, you know, spread out the buying power amongst, uh, you know, amongst the different businesses. And so they're looking to kind of stand up some smaller independent packers. And obviously, that's something that can't be done overnight. These facilities take a little bit of time to get built. But in the meantime, they're also looking for some funding into, you know, land-grant colleges, community colleges, things of that nature to better train folks that might be interested in this business. You know, some of the plant engineers, some of the meat inspectors, uh, really just seeing if they can get folks interested in this as a career pathway. because, you know, if they build a bunch of new plants, they're, they're obviously going to need employees for them.
0: For sure. Spencer, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot.
2: Pleasure as always, Mike. Thanks.
0: Take care. Spencer Chase with AgriPulse Communications. We'll get thoughts on those topics and more a little bit later in the program with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Up next, though, weather with DTN meteorologist John Baranek. What does he see ahead for this month of August? That's next on AOA.
3: Are you heading to NCBA in Nashville? The National Corn Growers has a great lineup for you on Wednesday, August 11th. Mike Adams will be broadcasting live at 9 a.m. from the U.S. Meat Export Federation booth on behalf of the National Corn Growers Association. At 12.30 in the Learning Lounge, NCGA will host a panel discussion with U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef and the U.S. Meat Export Federation as they discuss the partnerships between corn and cattle. We'll see you in Nashville.
4: Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state.
5: Channel Seedsmen don't just sell soybean seed. You can trust them to understand your fields and place Channel Soybean products to perform. With a Roundup Ready Extend crop system, including triple-stacked Channel Flex soybeans, you can be confident you're getting the excellent weed control you want and high-yield potential you need to make the most of the season. Find a seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
6: Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer Editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day to day business decisions. Their award winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today.
1: A lot
0: of weather concerns as we turn the calendar page to August. Let's talk with DTM meteorologist John Baranek. John, thanks for joining us. Who got some rain over the weekend?
8: Yeah, thanks, Mike. It looks like a um, weather system produced some pretty good rainfall here from eastern South Dakota, southeast into southern Illinois. We saw a good half to two inches of rain across eastern South Dakota and eastern Nebraska, We did see like one to three inches in a couple of spots that saw more from southern Iowa into northern Missouri and southern Illinois. So some areas there got some much-needed rainfall, especially those drier areas in the northwest.
0: But other areas that needed it are still waiting.
8: Still waiting. We continue to see that pattern really be a ridge off in the west, and uh, that's really kept the, the lid on moisture returning north from the Gulf of Mexico. It uh, just hasn't been able to get too much further north uh, than the southern midwest. So it's it's been really difficult this year, as we all have, have known. Um, we are seeing a potential break in the pattern here, at least temporarily, coming up this weekend.
0: Yeah, let's uh, take a look at this week ahead. What do you see, both the precipitation chances and uh, temperatures? Are we cooling off a bit?
8: Yeah, so we're actually nice and mild right now, especially across much of the Midwest. Uh, in the plains here, we're going to be up uh, into the 90s again. But uh, over the next several days, we're going to stay fairly dry across the Corn Belt, and maybe some isolated showers across uh, the Dakotas and into Minnesota on Wednesday and Thursday, not much there. Uh, increasing temperatures throughout the week, a couple of degrees every day. Um, But we'll see a a frontal boundary from one of those systems here kind of stall across the Dakotas and into Minnesota on Friday. And uh, we'll see a pattern change actually take shape over the west. You know, we've been seeing that ridge pretty much constantly since the beginning of June. It has not really wavered a whole lot. Um, But we are going to see it break down here and allow a couple of disturbances to move through late this week. Uh, right along that front, it might produce some very heavy rainfall, just depending on where that front sets up. So we'll have to watch where that goes. But right now it looks like it'll be in the Dakotas. I mean, some pretty good rainfall on the north side of that front across North Dakota, northern Minnesota, and into the Canadian prairies. Uh, there's a couple of more disturbances that move through behind it. will uh, continue the, the good rainfall chances across the, northern, uh, the the northern plains and across the northern Midwest as well.
0: Well that's significant. It may not change things overall for this year, but just a change in that pattern, that's that would be a that would be a big improvement, right? It's just been like this wall that, that just won't break up and not allow any moisture into some of those areas.
8: Yeah, a wall's a good uh a good analogy here. It's been a very stiff stiff thing to, to try to try and break down. Every once in a while something kind of escapes through, but it's very brief. This pattern change isn't going to last long, however. Um, We're going to see rapid succession of of disturbances moving through. They're going to try to get through as quickly as they can because that ridge is going to pump back up probably middle or end of next week, uh, back to that ridge in the west, put the wall kind of back in place where we only see isolated showers across the northwestern Corn Belt. So we're going to hope that uh, some of those areas, um, especially as we, we're still trying to fill corn and soybeans, so we've got some, uh, we got some potential for these rains being helpful. Uh, hopefully we can pile up some good rainfall here that, over the course of about five or six days to, to really help
0: those folks out. So the wall may not be coming down, but the window may open for, for a little bit. We're talking with DTM meteorologist John Baranek. Now, when we look at the eastern Corn Belt, um, I know where I'm at in Illinois, even another nice rain over the weekend, and just, uh, it just came in a great way, gentle and uh, you know soaking right in. So it was very welcome indeed. What's the eastern Corn Belt look like here for this next week or so?
8: Yes, uh, really good conditions. Uh, we'll see if they kind of outweigh the conditions in the Northwest. But, you know, one of my colleagues that's in, right there in central Illinois did a drive kind of around the western and, and uh, central areas of the state, she said the corn just looked fantastic. She showed some pictures mm-hmm. of soybeans, everything's all nice and beautiful. We canopied everything, and that kind of continues across most of the eastern Corn Belt, too, from Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. A lot of these areas are just doing fantastic. Um, so... Uh, that really doesn't look to change. Uh, you, when you set yourself up with good moisture at this time of year, that can kind of carry you through for the rest of it. And so rain showers that come through will just be icing on the cake, as long as there's no flooding attached to that, of course. But uh, right now it looks like, you know, the, those disturbances that move through kind of this weekend into early next week, middle of next week, uh, a lot of those actually probably stayed off to the north. So I might not get a whole lot of the eastern Corn Belt with good rainfall. That last one that kind of moves through probably in the middle of next week has a better chance of doing it. But uh, those early ones probably kind of stay away. We'll see some uh, isolated showers is more likely than some more of the scattered and heavier stuff. But uh, for the most part, we're sitting in, in a good spot right now across the eastern Corn Belt
0: yeah i'm in central illinois and to have high temperatures in the 70s in august uh, that's 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 very nice but very unusual too
8: yeah very unusual yeah you're we're typically in in central illinois in the upper 80s and lower 90s all so through through most of the month so yeah when you get uh, temperatures highs poking up into the 70s doing field work outside feels pretty
0: good so john as you look at that drought monitor map, uh, any real significant change? Did the rains this last few days change it much?
8: Uh, it could have over eastern South Dakota um, and maybe some portions of western Iowa, although most of the areas that hit already had some pretty decent soil moisture and, and some pretty decent rains uh, recently anyway. So um, South Dakota was probably the, the biggest area that got hit that, that really needed it. Uh, elsewhere, though, I mean, we did see some rainfall earlier in the week last week, um, right after the the drought monitor cutoff time across central Minnesota and across Wisconsin. Uh, that probably helped out with uh, some of those patchy areas of drought as well.
0: What do the longer range models look like now? Yeah, so we're still
8: stuck in that uh, kind of neutral phase of El Nino. Uh, we're headed towards back to La Nina. Uh, The atmosphere is kind of already caught up to that. The sea surface temperatures may take another month or so to kind of get into that category, at least on a consistent basis. So we're headed back that way. Um, So models might be starting to pick up better on some of the uh, longer range patterns coming up, but they're still having a little bit of trouble, a lot of waffling going on as to whether or not we're going to be warmer cold or dry or wet in portions of a corn belt so at least uh, over the next month or two i think we're still talking about uh above normal temperatures you know we've kind of seen some milder temperatures working now but uh that ridge kind of reaffirming itself later um next week and kind of spreading eastward at times it's going to keep most of the corn belts here above normal for the month of august and as that does so, too, it'll kind of cut down on chances for precipitation. So if we don't really get a whole lot uh, over the weekend into the middle of next week, we should be on more of a below normal uh, pattern here for the month of August, which uh, if you're in the northwest, it's not so great of a forecast. Uh, in the east, it's not so terrible, but, you know, you could go with a little bit more rainfall, and that doesn't hurt as long as it's not flooding.
0: Looking at the other parts of the world, there are some other key production areas that are having some weather challenges.
8: Yeah, one of those is China. China had some uh, significant flooding, um, both from uh, some thunderstorms, as the system didn't move through uh, kind of west or east central China, uh, and also with a tropical storm or remnants of it that moved through late last week and over the weekend. Uh, we saw lots of areas across central China have over 10 inches of rainfall. Um, one uh, one spot had over two feet that was recorded. You know, some of the data that comes out of China is a little uh, interesting. They like to withhold data, as we all know, and that includes weather data as well. So kind of working off of satellites and our satellite estimates had a lot of uh, 5 to 10 inches of rainfall over the central portions of the growing regions. Um, It's not a whole lot of corn and soybean areas. It's more of a wheat production area and winter wheat, so they kind of uh, escaped that because they're all harvested up. But they do have probably a good 10 to 20 percent of their production right there in the central portions that that could have seen some flooding. Uh, As that system kind of moved northeast in the northeast China, we didn't see as much rainfall. It was more on the order of two to four inches of rainfall, but we could see some localized flooding out of there, too. So we'll see how much damage that actually produces and see uh, whether or not that really affects what, if there are bigger buyers uh, going into the fall.
0: All right, John. Thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. Appreciate the update. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Take care. DTM meteorologist. John Baranek all right up next Washington update with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley his uh, thoughts on where we are with this infrastructure bill what gets done this week and what may be in it Uh, we're also going to get his thoughts on livestock markets and biofuels lots going on Senator Grassley joining us next here on AOA Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
4: Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, featuring high-yielding extend flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend Herbicide with vapor grip technology, elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results. Backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. The system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide-label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state.
5: Channel Seedsmen don't just sell soybean seed. You can trust them to understand your fields and place Channel Soybean products to perform. With a Roundup Ready Extend crop system including triple stacked Channel Flex soybeans, you can be confident you're getting the excellent weed control you want and high yield potential you need to make the most of the season. Find a seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
6: You are listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. Corn and bean growers once again had rains over the weekend, blessing some and leaving others dry. This morning, we are seeing mixed row crops with corn futures trading higher. September corn trading three and three quarters of a cent higher at 550 and three quarters. The December contract up five and three quarters at 551. For soybeans, the August contract down 10 and a fraction at 1404 and a half cent. The September contract down eight at 1347 and a half cent. Four wheat Chicago wheat September up 19 and a fraction at 722 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat September up 21 and three quarters at 695. Minneapolis spring wheat September up 13 and a fraction at 918. The December contract up 13 and a fraction at 904 and a fraction of a cent. Box beef prices soared last week as demand is picking up ahead of Labor Day. However, that did not translate into stronger cash cattle other than a dollar higher in cash in the South. The volume of cattle trade was light, indicating packers already had significant numbers on hand. As usual, the only activity likely to take place Monday is the distribution of show lists. China has become a significant importer of beef. Total commitments this year are already at 119,000 metric tons compared to 15,000 metric tons last year for the same time. August live cattle trading 10 cents higher at 122.20. The October contract up a dime at 127.30. for feeders. August up $1.20 at 15937 September up a dollar 12 at 16292 for lean hogs in the October contract trading 62 cents higher at 8865 in the outside markets, the Dow is up 173 points, the NASDAQ composite up 37, the S&P 500 up 16, crude oil in New York, the September contract, down 96 cents at 72.99 per barrel. The U.S. dollar index is trending lower. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall.
9: I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft. And crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win.
0: Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, always look forward to our visits
0: with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, who joins us now. Senator, thanks for being with us. Oh,
10: always glad to be with you. I enjoy talking about farming.
0: Well, let's talk about the infrastructure bill that's uh, slowly making its way through the Senate. you got a 2,700-page bill. What can you tell us about it and what do you expect this week?
10: Well, it, it is a 2,700-page bill, so don't ask me to go into the details of it. I suppose it'll probably be Wednesday or Thursday before I make up my mind whether or not I'm going to vote for it, I have voted so far to move it along because every place I go in Iowa, my 85 counties I've been in so far this year, infrastructure has always been a big deal. Uh, for uh, rural America, I think the broadband provisions in it are <clears throat> very, very good and that we ought to, uh, 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 that's, something that we need to do and that would be a major reason why I would vote for but moving stuff from farm to to uh, to the consumer uh, takes good highways and so highway uh, construction highway improvement bridges so they don't fall down with heavy loads of agricultural products is very very important Uh, It goes into a lot of things other than that, but as long as it continues to stick to traditional infrastructure and doesn't include a lot of stuff that doesn't deal with physical being, uh, I think I could vote for it. But, uh, you know, originally the Democrats tried to stick in a lot of that stuff. Uh, I'm reviewing uh, the, the spending side of it. I find fairly... Uh, what I know, know about it now, uh, the outlines of it, I should say, because you've got to read the entire bill to, to know exactly how it's being delivered. But on the spending side, I think it's pretty good for Iowa. Uh, but is it paid for? That's something we haven't analyzed. And the extent to sometimes they say something's paid for, but there's some gimmicks in it that you really don't know whether it's paid for or not, those might be the things that decide that I would vote against it on the, on the pay-for side. So still got a ways to go. Now, what do you
0: think, uh, on the House side, we keep hearing that it may not make it through there because uh, there, Speaker Pelosi wants a uh, budget reconciliation package to
10: also be kind of a companion bill with it. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's not a problem for Republicans. That's a problem for Biden, Schumer, and Pelosi. They're going to have to work that out in their own party. For Republicans, we think another $3.5 trillion of expenditures is going to throw gasoline on the fires of inflation. Already we're seeing uh, signals of, uh, of very high inflation, And uh, a lot of that has to do with what the Federal Reserve does, but, boy, you can sure tell that spending all this money uh, is going to feed the fires of inflation. And we have a former Democratic Secretary of Treasury, uh, Larry Summers, that's been saying that for the last six or seven months, and none of of the Democrats are are listening to him. And he's an outstanding Harvard economist.
0: (laughs) Talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, yeah, there are a lot of uh, a lot of inflation concerns, I think, uh, for sure. Now let's look at another area you've been heavily involved in, and that is the meatpacking uh, situation. Um, do you feel we're making any progress on that? I know you have yeah. thoughts on how you think sure. it ought to go. Others have taken a different tact on it.
10: We're making tremendous progress on it. We've had we I've finally gotten the chairman of the Senate Agriculture Committee to hold a hearing on it uh, and that was about a month ago we had a hearing last week that I got Senator Durbin to have before the antitrust uh, subcommittee and the full committee of uh, the Judiciary Committee Uh, I have bills in other senators have bills in I presume there's going to have to be some compromise between my bill and other bills that have been put in, but I think the Iowa Cattlemen Association have taken a very strong and realistic uh, position on this, and I got that uh, really punched into me uh, by the 150 cattlemen that came to my town meeting uh, in Jones County, uh, and uh, we just have to proceed now to get some legislation passed and by the way I uh, I also went a couple months ago over to talk to the house agriculture committee chairman he's a uh, a person from Georgia uh, and I uh, and I think uh, he he had his subcommittee uh, deal with the same issue last week in the house of representatives so we're trying to get some leverage there I think we're up against the, the the big voices of the big packers, four of them that control 80 percent of the uh, of the uh, of the meat slaughter, of the cattle slaughter, and uh, and th- th- that's going to be a tough to overcome. But you know, I've I've taken on the big pharma, the big pharmaceuticals companies. I'm not afraid to take them on. What I'm really afraid of is maybe the leadership of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees, they always want consensus before they do something. And consensus in this area is maintaining the status quo. How do we avoid uh,
0: building up or increasing the number of small uh, packing plants only to have them eventually bought up by the big ones?
10: Well, uh, I think... I think uh, at, at a little lower level of slaughter we can do a lot by helping these local these local locker plants be able to sell across state lines the state legislatures of Iowa and South Dakota are helping that by giving some additional funding to some of these local packing plants and then you have uh a half a billion dollars being dealt out by uh, Vilsack to help establish some other packing companies that would be, be much bigger than the local packing companies, but a lot smaller than these big four. And I think increasing the ability to have more competition for the big packers is a big help. But nothing's going to help the people that aren't making any money uh, feeding cattle and, uh, and Tyson's getting a $1,200 profit one week, $800 profit another week, and then the price of beef not going down the supermarket, you know there's something wrong, and we've got to do something about it. All
0: uh, right. EPA announces they're going to have uh, these virtual meetings to get input on waters of the U.S. How concerned are you about possible changes this administration wants to make to the new rule?
10: Uh, I made a speech on this about a month ago on the floor of the Senate. People can go to grassley.senate.gov and get my speech. I put a map up uh, on an easel that was a repeat of a map I used in 2013 and 14 when waters of the U.S. waters went out. And now we know Trump changed that back. Now they're trying to change what Trump did. But uh, I put the map up that showed 97 percent of the water, in, in or 97 percent of the land in Iowa would be under government regulation, and you just can't have that in an agricultural state like Iowa. You can't farm according to what the Corps of Engineers wants you to do, or uh, or uh, uh, fish and wildlife and all that. You got to be able to farm and, uh, and uh, WOTUS would have put government regulators in almost any, everything a farmer was doing, and, uh, and you can't have that. Now, so then what do I think about it? I think Trump did what is rational. He had federal government regulating up to where navigable rivers end, and then states take over, and, uh, and that's what we did. Now, they want to undo that. I do think there's some hope that they won't go back to the extreme position that uh, that uh, the Obama uh, the Obama rules took, uh, where somewhere is between there and uh, uh, there and uh, where Trump was. I can't comment on it. I don't want to think about that but maybe something reasonable can come out of it. But you can't have a rule like WOTUS was, wherever there is a stream that's an annexus to a river, that's a annexus to a navigable river, that means that water running down your waterway could soon become regulated by the federal government. We can't have that.
0: we got to let you go. Thank you very much, Senator. Appreciate it. Iowa Senator... Charles Grassley. Yeah, we had a little disconnect there, but uh, sorry about that. But interesting, on the infrastructure bill, he says he's still undecided. He'll probably decide uh, in a couple of days on whether or not he's going to vote for it. Uh, he likes the broadband part of it. Still kind of wondering about the pay-fors, and I think a lot of people wondering about that as well. So we will watch how that infrastructure bill progresses this week in the Senate, and then what will happen in the House, we're still not sure. All right, the Sturgis bike rally coming up. Ethanol will be a big part of that again. We'll talk with Robert White with Renewable Fuels Association about that next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
9: As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end, but good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating, your kidneys could keep filtering, and your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant, You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.
4: Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. Featuring high yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state.
5: Anyone can sell you soybean seed. Channel Seedsman place products to perform. With Channel ExtendFlex soybeans and Channel Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans, you'll get the excellent weed control you want and the high-yield potential you need. Make the most of the next season with the Roundup Ready Extend crop system and expert recommendations from Channel Seedsman. Ask a seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions
3: Are you heading to NCBA in Nashville? The National Corn Growers has a great lineup for you on Wednesday, August 11th. Mike Adams will be broadcasting live at 9 a.m. from the U.S. Meat Export Federation booth on behalf of the National Corn Growers Association. At 12.30 in the Learning Lounge, NCGA will host a panel discussion with U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef and the U.S. Meat Export Federation as they discuss the partnerships between corn and cattle. We'll see you in Nashville.
12: For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agricultural top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts.
0: You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we're just a few days away
0: from this year's Sturgis Bike Rally. Robert White, Vice President of Industry Relations for the Renewable Fuels Association, joins us. Robert, are you packed?
13: Just about. I'm still working on that.
0: So, once again, you'll be promoting ethanol at this year's rally.
13: We will. We'll be back at the Buffalo Chip Campground, kind of the mecca outside of town where folks gather, um, where the main concerts will take place, and we'll be doing our Free Fuel Happy Hours again, sponsoring the Legends Ride, which will feature Governor Christy Nome this year, and we'll be on stage every night and, uh, of course, doing other educational events. Uh, I'm participating in a Women's Day with a bunch of education and specifically focusing on ethanol and motorcycles.
0: So it gets underway this weekend, right?
13: Yeah, we'll arrive on Saturday and be there through Friday.
0: You know, you've been there for a number of years now. And I remember when the first year or two you went, uh, the reception might not have always been positive. But over the years, you've become a part of that event, and you've had a chance to uh, talk with a lot of uh, uh, bikers about uh, the benefits uh, and safety of using ethanol in their machines.
13: Yeah, it's been really fun to watch. We've had members that started coming uh, over the last, say, five or six years, and they can witness what has taken place. I mean, it was, it was a very – I mean, there, there was people ready to fight the first year we were there. It was so bizarre. There was so much misinformation. You were coming off of uh, food versus fuel, the latest rally of that anyway before 2012 and it was just uh, emotions were high. And once you dug through the misinformation and, and the clutter, you could get down to the facts. That's always there for ethanol, and that ethanol is good in any of the motorcycles, at least up to E10. And now we talk about E15 and E85 uh, in their vehicles, and, of course, E10 for all their other engines at home. So we, we've really been able to, especially with the fuel now, we've been able to put uh, our money where our mouth is, go out and take a test run and come back tomorrow and tell us what you think.
0: Yeah, to say that uh, at first they were skeptical would be an understatement, and some still are, obviously, but uh, have you found folks there to be pretty open to, to to listening to what you have to say?
13: Well, I think as much as our, our, our country is right, I mean, you always have 20% that love you, 20% that hate you. We're really focused on the 60% in the middle and trying to get them to a neutral or positive position before they get to a gas pump, and I think we've been able to to do that, and you know, one of the things that made my boss, Jeff Cooper, smile not that long ago was uh, the Buffalo Chip put out on Facebook, we were doing our free fuel happy hours again, and someone said something negative about ethanol, and uh, people that had been at the free fuel before came to our defense. And that's what we're trying to do is you know build an army of informed consumers.
0: Yep, making progress talking with Robert White with Renewable Fuels Association but again the big Sturgis bike rally coming up starting this weekend and uh, the Renewable Fuels Association Robert will be there being a big part of the event once again promoting uh, renewable fuels at the Sturgis bike rally so we'll try to get a report from Robert next week from Sturgis and see how the crowds are and how things are going for that event. All right, that's going to just about wrap it up for today. Sorry for the technical problems there. But again, want to just kind of go back over what we heard from uh, Senator Grassley because kind of big focus this week on the Senate and what they're going to do with the infrastructure bill, a 2,700-page bill. So that's going to take them a while to work through all that. And uh, we're going to wait and see what's in there, obviously. As Senator Grassley said, that's what he's going to do before he decides whether or not to vote on it. Uh, a lot of attention on that broadband area and um, what, what what percentage of a market has to be underserved before it qualifies for certain funds. That That is an area of the infrastructure bill that may uh, get a lot of amendments. So we'll see if that slows things down. Right now, they're hoping to get it through the Senate this week. Maybe buy this... Uh, uh, Who knows uh, what's going to happen in the House because the insistence there by some uh, to have the uh, budget uh, reconciliation bill, a companion bill, be part of that. Republicans are very much against that, many of them. So we'll wait and see. But some progress being made on infrastructure, but it still has a long, long ways to go all right that's going to wrap it up for today we'll give you a complete update on that tomorrow and of course we continue to look at markets and a reaction to the weather challenges in some parts of the growing area while other parts of the midwest are having a very good crop season and headed towards what looks like a big crop on the east in the eastern corn belt. How are markets balancing those two things out as we now are into the month of August? A lot of attention will be paid to these uh, weekly crop condition numbers that are coming out each week and of course uh, the weather forecast as well. Hard to believe, August here already. Next week, by the way, we'll be in Nashville for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Convention. I'll be broadcasting from Nashville next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Have a great day. Join us tomorrow on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.